Welcome back to another edition of Best Coast Football. The regular season is done for everybody except the two service academies, but they're not in the Pac-12, so we don't care about them, do we, guys? I'm Tim Kelly. With me, Nate Salinas, Cody Peterson. Guys, it was a rough week, a time of change. We, the Pac-12 has crowned a champion. Nate, I'm going to go to you. How did you feel about this game? Listen, there's a lot of different ways, Tim, to, to look at this game. I think first and foremost, it was not in doubt for very long. <laughs> Some, there was a moment in which I actually, I had to go to my wife's Christmas party, but I was able to watch the very beginning. And there was a moment in which UC, uh, sorry, Utah quickly got up 14 to zero. And I had to make sure that I didn't actually play the DVR from two weeks ago. <laughs> and I was watching the, the the new game but no it just i mean it played out in a very similar way utah did i just won. did i just leave the space time that's continue? right utah won you know the, the line of scrimmage and um and everything kind of just uh, ensued from there you know some folks are we'll get to this later are speculating was cristobal a little checked out was he was he tuned out oregon looked really uninspired they looked unprepared unfocused and I think one of the things that we've noticed with Oregon throughout the season, when they can't bully their opponent, it really exposes Anthony Brown for, for who he is. And so they were running okay a couple yards here or there, but they, they, Utah was inviting Anthony Brown to kind of beat them with his arm, and instead he threw several costly interceptions. So what would you guys see? I mean, uh, you know, what better indicator of, the Pac-12 and the quality of play, especially from quarterbacks this year, than for the championship game to feature, you know, barely more than 300 yards passing combined between the two teams. Uh, and one, four interceptions. One, one passing touchdown and four interceptions. Yeah. A uh, couple running quarterbacks. That's just kind of been about half half of the league this year. I think uh, but that, right. that, was, that was particularly – uh, an eyesore, if you will, I thought. And Rising fumbled twice, too, I think, right? And he didn't lose either of them. They both went yeah. out of bounds, I think. But there was just a lot of sloppy play from the QBs. I think, uh, like you said, you alluded, Nate. I mean, I think the, the story in terms of X's and O's and just execution was the same. Uh, you know, especially Utah's front seven just kind of imposing their will i think oregon finished 2.6 yards per rush um so and you know, i think the, the utah running game wasn't super explosive and dominant but they made their plays and rising really broke some big some big runs uh, uh that kind of broke the game open i thought um i think i think it had a similar vibe where i didn't feel like oregon was outclassed physically per se but it, it just felt like Utah wanted it more, um, kind of to your point, Nate, about uh, preparation. And, um, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I won't step too much on Chris the ball too much, but he, he, he got on a plane on Sunday. Like, <laughs> some, some conversations were had before, you know, before he went, went in and coached that game. So literally, yeah. And the things can be deceiving too. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you don't know what to do with stats because, you mentioned Oregon's rushing line, 29 for 74, 2.6, but that includes a 13 or 14 yard, like snap blunder. Sure. You know, 
and it includes a handful of snacks, uh, sacks, sorry, not snacks. Although I bet they, I bet they wish they had had their oranges at halftime, right? <laughs> They're Capri Suns. But Travis Dye actually had 15 carries for 82 and a tug, you know, five and a half per. And if you look at Tavion Thomas, it was 18 of 63 for three and a half per two touchdowns. And so in some ways, Dye, you know, outperformed Thomas a little bit. It's just one of those games that, like Utah was the one that, got it done and all the little small spaces, the bounces went their way and it turned into a blowout win. So yeah, Oregon had that Oregon had like a bad, that really bad snap. That was a big loss. They also had like a, a weird snap that kind of hit the offensive lineman's leg or something. It was just like not a clean snap. He had a couple uh, bad ones there. Um, you know, you know, talking about Utah first ever Rose bowl trip, first ever pack 12 championship for Utah. So it's pretty historic for them. This was, mm-hmm. um, you know, something they as a as a school were excited about when they joined the conference, you know, 11, 12 years ago uh, and you know, finally, finally got it done. This is this is Whittingham's third Pac-12 championship game. Finally got over the hump there. Uh, you know, for them, their story as a season and kind of overcoming tragedy of losing a teammate uh, makes that pretty special. I, I believe uh, one or both of those players, moms, they lost another teammate you know, last year. I think they were there for this game. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, only the second ever, uh, championship for the teams from the South, uh, nine, that's now, it's now a nine and two record for the, in favor of the North. Wow. And, uh, have a piece of trivia for you guys, which, which teams have never played in the PAC 12 championship game have never even participated. There are three. Washington state, Oregon state. No, I, well, yeah, Washington State, Oregon State, and I think Arizona State. Yeah, two of three. Cal is the third. Oh, Cal because because UW, Stanford, and Oregon have kind of dominated the North's participation. Every Pac-12 South team has actually participated. Even when did Arizona. when did Arizona State make it? Um, pretty early on. Oh, is that right? They've okay. they've been there. I remember um, Arizona's runs in Colorado with you know three or four years back. What about six and six UCLA? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Where, um, I mean, pretty. Uh, you know, I, I, like you said, I think I think it was a little surprising to see it be so eerily similar. Tim, what did you see? Yeah, that, that, that's what I was going to say. It, it's weird to me. Um, Crystal Ball is an offensive line coach. Uh, he's got his little uh, mini me running the uh running the offensive line and they just got beat up on the lines you know both times it seemed like and i just i just don't i don't understand how adjustments weren't made this second time i mean as we'll talk about later i think we know why but it just i don't know one could argue and i'm not saying that that you're wrong that i mean part of the reason they got beat up on the lines is utah was showing a look to absolutely take away both the QB run and the run. They're essentially like, if Anthony Brown can beat us with his arm, then we'll just lose. And well, let's just say Oregon had three points at the end of the third quarter. So. And and another thing as Nate, you being the Oregon duck fan uh, with crystal balls recruiting, man, he's been there long enough. How are they relying on a sixth year senior from boston college to be their quarterback 
I think that's one of the huge indictments. And frankly, I think this is going to now segue into the next segment. So we should ask Cody if he – you have anything else to say about this game, Cody? No, no, I think that's, that's perfect. Let's, uh, let's, can, let's can talk I about – interject real quick? There was a game uh, – Nate referred to it as a high school game Saturday. Cal, <laughs> USC, Cal wins. I want one word from each of you to describe the game. It was one nice – final fun pack 12 that's, after that's dark. a lot more than one word just to <laughs> seek just chaos yeah. <laughs> cody forgettable forgettable i will say dreadful nate back to you <laughs> obviously cal wins that game usc seemed pretty checked out ready to get into their off season just to, to give the people some, something at home um, I can't say that Cal did anything very special, but they did win the game. So you got to give them credit, but no, I think that, that honestly, this, this championship game and, and that question, Tim was one of the things that had people Friday night heading into Saturday, kind of frustrated with, with crystal ball. And so this thing that it seemed like duck fans would be just so heartbroken. And so just all oh, the sky is falling is over. Like you found out like, Oh, looks like Mario is going to go to Miami. He's like, no, <laughs> you know <man. laughs> you don't you don't quite have the feeling of being left at the altar well i mean listen mario is a miami guy we said that he grew up in miami he's you know he's cuban-american obviously he's, i think his parents are first generation and his brother's a cop there his you know mom is sick and still there he played at the u he started coaching at the u he got his first head coaching job at fiu which is you know in the in Miami, technically. So he's a Miami guy through and through. So I don't think it was that surprising if he was going to leave that it would be to Miami. It's just something special to him. Mario was building something good. There's a lot of talent at, at Oregon. So I think I think people were kind of clinging to what was being built and wanted that momentum to continue. But in terms of like the on-field, in-game product, like Tim mentioned, the, the player development of like QBs, I, I think people were we're feeling that there was something like left to be desired. So people point to his results, which he, he got great results, but you have to, I mean, would you guys agree? Isn't, that he, this, isn't he the second best football coach Oregon's ever had though? Well, like in results. Yeah. That's. And I think some would say that this is like as weak, if not the weakest that the PAC 12 has ever been. I mean, just a historically bad coach at SC, uh, you know, the latter part of his tenure under a struggling UW, Cal seems disinterested in their football program. Stanford <laughs> is spiraling. Arizona is barely a team. You know, Colorado maybe slightly better than that. So, I mean, there's some historically bad teams in the Pac-12 that we got to play this year. And so he, he really played like – three or four good opponents and, and two of them was getting crushed by Utah, you know? And so, yeah, I think to your, to your extent that that's true, but I think some people are now turning the page and, and saying, I don't want to overtalk this. I am, but, but are, are turning the corner and saying, well, what, what would happen, you know, looking back to like the UW situation where Sark had all that success recruiting, got pulled away by SC. They got a little bit of money for getting pulled away hired Chris Peterson and then Peterson went to what, like a, a playoff and, and a Rose bowl with those guys. And, and, uh, and a fiesta 
and a fiesta ball. And so I think people are, are, are looking at this situation and saying, Hey, if they hit a Chris Peterson like home run right now, there's enough talent here that these next two, three years while USC and UW are rebuilding. So I think, but would you agree that both of those jobs are total rebuilds? I would agree point? that I would agree that Helfrich coached did a pretty meaningful uh, playoff game that didn't, didn't result in a ultimately successful tenure either. Right. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying forever, but I'm saying this could be a really good next two to three years with this talent if you get a good football coach. Uh, technically, uh, I think Slingblade did have a better record than Cristobal. Um, <laughs> and Chip must have. Yeah, Chip, Chip was like 46 and seven, if I remember correctly. So he's at best the third, and he's probably yeah. only slightly better than Bilotti. Yeah, but Bilotti, Bilotti had did, some bad years. Did Bilotti ever win a conference? I mean, I know he tied for it, but did he ever. But that's all situational, right? He coached more than half of his career against Carroll. Yeah. You know? And And, uh, New Heisel. New Heisel. So, you know what I mean? Like, I think. No, yeah, no, I know. Some of this is situational. Yes. Okay, so so Cristobal bolts. and 10 years, 80 million. Yeah, for a a boatload of money. Uh, I, I was thinking about it because I'm an accountant. I was thinking, like, does Miami actually wire $10 million? Or do they, like, send a check? Is there like an accounts payable system where this gets remitted? Anyway, just sorry. bricks of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> but so they, they send over like 50 bitcoins. <laughs> yeah. They've got this money. Oregon's got this money. And, you know, the tweet mongers slash journalists slash whoever else decides to, you know, post their opinion starts trotting out the laundry list of names. I don't know if you've heard Bob Stoops trotted out, but I'm sure almost every fan base mentions him. I think the, the initial list that got trotted out was laughable. It was just kind of like the leftover detritus of all the other coaching searches that have come before, you know, over the last two weeks. It was literally you know, a copy Ted paste for, from, the, from the UW search. They just, someone took the time to delete out the bar. <laughs> and and, and add in Chip no, Kelly, right? That 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 is the, well, no, because Chip was even, I mean, there were people, I think Brock Hewitt was floating out chip to UW. You know, there were some people. I mean, it's the irony of this list is there were um, some Oregon. I mean, Oregon and Washington's a rivalry. There were people that were making fun of Washington's coaching list. And like, literally, it's the same list minus minus DeBoer. So uh, Nate, there were Duck fans making fun of Washington's list. I didn't hear that. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's just okay. I'm on the dregs of the Internet. So don't, I see. don't mind me. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's. Tim's, you know, scratching them through the dark web. Yeah, looking, yeah. yeah. So let throw out two names you've heard that are either laughably preposterous or just bad ideas. And then throw out two names that you think would actually be legitimately good hires that you would be excited about. They could make the most out of this talent that you said is on the roster. I mean, I think Wilcox is tossed out. I think it's a bad idea. I think that's the... So let me, let me, sorry, Cody, I'm going to, I'm going to do the long route at some point. I won't talk so much, I promise, but I think that there's this, this idea among a fan base that when they have two coaches leave back for Florida, that there's, Oh, we just need to hire someone who's going to be loyal that will stay here eight to 10 years. And I'm, I'm kind of asking like, why? Cause you know, Willie came and yeah, he left after 11 months Taggart, but he left the program in a better spot than he found it right. Four and eight under, under Halfridge, he had a decent recruiting class, which Mario salvaged. Mario takes over. He leaves it in a better spot than he found it. 
he exit at a at about like as a, good it's as, like a camp it's like a campsite well i mean <laughs> well, yeah like leave no trace but except for even better like you build something and yeah leave and a couple extra pieces of firewood like you said, we're about to get guy. we're about to get wired 10 million dollars and the program's in as good a spot as it could be with tons of talent and so I'm I'm kind of like I don't think you need to go find a loyal person. Like if let's say you go get like a fickle, you know, I'm saying that that might be a long shot. And three four years from now, Ryan Day leaves for the NFL, and Ohio State wants him. They're going to get him, right? But if they want him, it means he's been doing very well at Oregon. <laughs> it means he's been recruiting well, and so he's going to leave, and stuff's probably in a good spot. And then Ohio State's going to pay you what twelve million dollars for the right to hire him. So. I don't see how this is like such a, a bad thing unless you're like embarrassed by it, which I guess I'm not, I don't really care. And so yeah, I, I see that people, Cody, I think fan up, bases get their feelings hurt because they feel like it, it, it means that they're not a, it reflects on their, their place in the pantheon of uh, college football gods. Right. And that maybe they're on, they're not sitting on top of mental. Well, they, they don't want to be considered a stepping stone, and it sure it appears that Oregon three times in the last ten years has been a stepping stone. You mean like with Chip to the NFL? Yeah, Chip, and which I mean again, but Chip Taggart. He was there a long time. He was. I, would, there, I, mean, I don't consider that long. Yeah, four years. Stay a stepping stone. I mean, four years as a head coach, two as an OC. But I mean, same with Cristobal. I mean, Cristobal was what. One or two mm-hmm. years, one year as an OC. One year as OC, four years as head coach, OC for five it's, years. It's just that there's guys with no ties. I mean, those guys didn't even have ties to the West Coast. Taggart, I guess, was at Stanford, but he's an East Coast guy through and through. I mean, okay, so you're saying swing for the fences. Don't worry about whether you're going to be able to lock someone down, you know. So I say that I, I just don't see any upside to Wilcox beyond the fact that he would stay for eight to 10 years, <laughs> largely because he probably wouldn't be good enough that anyone would want him that badly, Iner- right? Like, Iner- inertia, yeah. Don't act like if the 49ers job came available that Wilcox would not be, <laughs> you know, interested, right? Like, that's just like human nature. Like, what can I do that, you know, the next thing and... Like the only reason Saban's not interested in the NFL is because he like failed miserably, right? I think he knows where he's at as, as good as it's going to get for him. Yeah. Almost every other person like looks ahead a little bit, right? So um, I say all that to set up. I think Wilcox would be, I'm not super high on Chip. I think Chip for the right price, if you forced him to keep the right defensive staff, not his people, could could be better than Wilcox, but I would also call Chip not a great... So I've made a list in this order of guys that I think are worth calling. I, I got Lane. I'm on the Lane train. He's Lane locked Kiffin. down now. They, well, they, you don't the, think he's got it? They it, upped him to, now? it upped him to seven million a year, as Tim alluded to earlier. It seems that Phil was willing to pay eight and a half per to keep Mario. And uh, the buyout, I think, for Lane is only like three and a half or four million. And, and so, you got eight or nine from Miami. That's right. So it's not even half of what my, the, his buyout's not even half of what Miami's giving us. So, you know, if, if Lane would come for, you know, 10 years, 80 million, I, I would be totally up for that. And then I, I'm, I look at Fickle. I mean, because Fickle didn't just keep something going, he built Cincinnati back up from where our, Fair senator from Alabama just literally left it in flames, you know, Tupperville, whatever. And so, um, (laughs) I mean, literally the program was downward spiraling and that's why he took off and fickle. But I mean, are you going to wait three weeks 
for Pickle? Four weeks? I mean, three weeks. Yeah, it's hard to say, right? The other one I have is Aranda. Um, I, I think is third. I think you, if all those guys are just quick nose, then I think you got to make a call to Chris Peterson. You got to see if he's interested. Even if it's just three or four years and he does well and then he wants to be back out again. Tim, you got something to say about that? No. no, no. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're open to these journeymen, I mean, I, that's fine. I that would be that would always be my hesitation with Chris Peterson is that he's you know his I, heart's not going to be in it for very long. And I wouldn't I wouldn't trust his uh, uh, coach in waiting either. <laughs> yeah, well, and okay, I'll say this. And then one Astro, I wanted to have one name for you guys that wasn't just like the Twitter.com <laughs> popularity <laughs> poll. Before I would go Chip or Wilcox. What about Kalen DeBoer? (laughs) I actually do. I like the. Remember, I gave DeBoer a B plus last week, higher than I think either of you guys. But but I would kick the tires on Blake Anderson from uh, Utah State, Mm -hmm. who had a lot of success at um, Arkansas 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 State. State. Only left Arkansas State because of the, the tragedy of his wife. He, I think, two deaths while he was there, and he just needed something new. Lost his wife and his father, I think. And his father's oh, awful. I mean, you could you think you can probably get him for a lot less money. You could give him a huge uh, assistant pool. He's won the conference that he's coached, in, I think, four times in the last seven years. It's pretty incredible. It's almost like the DeBoer thing with with the, you know, is it the NIA NAIA level championships and all that stuff? You know, like you can't fake stuff like that. No. So especially at Utah State, where. They were in that <laughs> gross. Don't use that word. Okay. So sorry. I way over talked that, but that, that's kind of how I see the, the, the list. And, um, and so we'll see from there. What do you guys think? Wonder, I wonder if bees fans would be wary of hiring a former Utah, uh, have any advice about former Utah state coaches, but Gary Anderson. Uh, no, I, I think that's fine. Um, you, you want, you don't want a coordinator. You don't want some, uh, like a hot, you want someone that's a proven head coach. Well, I mean, like if, if you needed to go that route, I mean, I, I would certainly be open to talking to like Josh Gaddis from like Michigan. Um, so there, there are a handful of guys that I think are, are worth the call, but it would have to be the right setup that, you know, they'd have to feel good. And then you'd have to kind of help them put together a staff. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, you got to make sure it's a home run staff. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, um, I, okay. I'll give you a few. I, I like that Blake Anderson one. That, 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 that's a good one. Um, I don't think chip is terrible if you have him get an offensive staff or defensive staff, but yeah, but like that, then you have a weird dynamic where these aren't well, yeah, really even the guys he wanted. And like, yeah, I, I, I mean, mean it, but it's such that, a people game that could be know? his return though. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's what the negotiations all about. If he's, you know, if he wants to come back, um, Here's a name for you that's kind of off the cuff. PJ Fleck. He's obnoxious. Oregon's obnoxious. I think they'd be okay. <laughs> Match made in heaven. No, I mean, the thing is, he just signed an extension at Minnesota, but uh, he's he got a $10 million buyout. You just slide that Miami money over. And uh, he's at 5.1. No, I, I, but I mean, that that's kind of like one of those, you know, weird ones. Guys had success. Um, I mean, I, I'd be, I'd be calling Kiffin. I mean, supposedly he's not happy in Oxford. I'd rather be in Eugene than Oxford. Where, where did you hear that rumor from? 
Oh no, there's the well the 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 one is he's been uh he, he said he made some comment. I, I I can't remember the exact one. A couple weeks ago he made some comment about wanting to return or you know not not being happy with he, he didn't say it quite like happy. I, I I'm implying that it wasn't the best place, you know, for him, Oxford, Mississippi. But he could have been talking about wanting to go back to could be leveraging the Miami job, which he ultimately did not get. You know, and I, the way I'm looking at the the Lane situation is, I, I I think he's a guy that can really coach talent. I think he's probably looking at Oregon's roster relative to the rest of the conference. And I mean, let's let's be honest, Cody. I think you can speak to this. He would probably be very very motivated to beat USC, and um, so that could be a really fun rivalry for the next few years. I think it could be a really good fit with the right defensive coordinator. And the right recruiting staff, I think Lane could kill it. And because I think he knows how to leverage resources that are available to you. I mean, you saw when he did that recruiting weekend and honored the Mannings and that that sort of thing. I, I think he knows how to like leverage what's available to make the most of stuff. And I think Oregon has a lot to offer in that way. Yeah. And Lane would know how to maximize it. I don't know. Yeah. Those are just like two very different, like, you know, those candidates you threw out potentially like those are just very starkly divergent cultures from between chip or, or lane or, um, Blake Anderson, like those are, yeah. I'll throw out one or one other wild card, you know, kind of maybe the Mario crystal mold, Mario Cristobal mold of doing meh with a lot less, you know, is being relatively impressive. Uh, Jeff Halfley, Boston college, he's kind mm-hmm. of 500 club, but you know, he's really, you know, that's a tough place to win. Mm-hmm. Um, the grand they're playing the ACC. So, um, but that's just another name. I felt like I had to throw one out there. Uh, a name Let's that... let, let we one more Tim. And then we got to We got to move. Oh, don't even now we're going to now the season. We got to move on. We got to move now, on. Now, to the the season's almost over. now you're concerned about time. I, this, I am not even, I am not even going to sit for this right now. Um, <laughs> Nate, I was found it interesting. You didn't mention Matt Campbell at all. Yeah, I haven't really heard his name come up. I, I, I guess if he was a kid, I'd probably slot him in there after Aranda, before Peterson, you know, if you weren't circling back to it, if he was interested. I kind of told you about the UW job. He just, I don't know. I feel like his name comes up for everything and he just ends up being not that interested. And so part of me is like, why now? He's coming off his least impressive year, you know. So the combination of his his probable disinterest and the fact that he's not as hot commodities he once was i didn't mention him I, I don't think i would be too dissatisfied if he was the final hire but he's not the first person that comes to mind yeah protect your heart you don't want to feel jilted right now it's, 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 a, it's a fragile time tim i wanted to move on to the university Listen, of guys, Husky. if they hire wilcox you're gonna to have to console me right here on air next week. Okay. <laughs> all right <laughs> we'll sing you a lullaby okay let's move on tim dogs yeah. Tell us what Kalen DeBoer is up to and what's been going on there. So, yeah, just for folks trying to track what the heck we're talking about, we're just kind of going to go through the other schools. We're going to maybe focus on the schools that are actually had coaching changes. Um, and then we'll talk about, you know, other other happenings in the Pac-12 with players moving, coaches moving, et cetera. But, Tim, talk us through UW. Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, DeBoer brought up his boy uh, – Former Fresno State offensive coordinator, Mr. Ryan 
um, Grub. I was I, I I worked with someone whose last name was Grub, and I was like, his last name isn't Grub, but Ryan Grub, and they are uh, hitting the recruiting trail. They were in Tumwater, Washington today, meeting with Ryan Otten, and they have the yeah. In there. Um, He's, he needs to have another Otten in the program because Cade's heading for the draft, right? Yeah, hopefully he won't have a disappointing junior year. Is um, is Ryan is Ryan Otten a tight end? He, but he, yes, he is. Okay. Yes, he is. Though I think he gets a D end as well, but I think he's going to be <clears throat> tight end. Okay. Um, they, I think the biggest question is: Is Jake Hayner going to be wearing purple and gold? Well, there's the a lot. Of, there's a lot of a lot of rumors. Nothing's been confirmed yet. Um, You're not some, confident. There is some belief that it might wait till Wilcox gets hired at Oregon and to see whoever takes over Cal's job, and if you know Hayner being from that area will go in to Cal if they get an offensive-minded head coach. It does seem odd that if if he was going to go to Washington, then he wouldn't have done it already, doesn't it? Well, yeah. it seemed like it was all wrapped up, right? It was like he 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 went into the portal, and people reporting it was like a done deal. And then all of a sudden, it's just like someone slammed the brakes, right? Well, Is he just it, a contrarian by nature? He just wants to – doesn't want to <laughs> – Well, he, here's the thing. The first person that broke the story was the editor of the Daily, which is Washington student newspaper. So I don't, I mean, that, that doesn't mean he's not credible. Um, but you know, it wasn't, I mean, maybe he, I guess it's very possible. He could have known Jake Hayner from when Jake Hayner was at UW because they'd be in the same age, but I, I don't know. Um, with that, they, uh, also lost a decommitment from a quarterback from La Jolla named Jackson Stratton. He, uh, decommitted, but uh okay. you, get, you guys won't care it's only a three star right <laughs> you guys look down on three stars um, a dozen. the uh, yeah the, but the big news was them hiring uh courtney morgan from uh michigan to be their director of player personnel he was he's from california but he played at michigan and yeah at fresno well we talked about how yeah. lake had kind of decimated that department so to get get someone in it might be a little late for early signing day but uh to start building out that unit i guess i guess my, my question to both of you guys is you know that that's obviously an increasing role much like we talked about how the strength coach is a very important role as well but why is somebody who's from california leave his alma mater which is in the final four of the playoffs obviously michigan has a lot of money to come to washington i, I just thought that was an interesting you know, I mean, is that a job that doesn't get paid well at other schools and Washington's throwing a lot of money at them? I mean, I wouldn't want to work for Harbaugh either, but. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to know what's going on in people's yeah, lives yeah, and why they just... make the choices they make, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of weird because we be, it would be irresponsible to speculate, Tim. Yeah, no, yeah, okay, yeah. No reckless speculation. But, you know, we it's never just speculate funny. on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, right. It's just funny, though, because, I mean, we spent – 20 minutes talking about a guy who went back to his alma mater. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. oh, oh boom, roasted. Sorry. Boy, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's about the happenings in Washington. Uh, okay. Uh, Coog notes for, for Washington state. Uh, Dickert's been filling out his staff. Uh, his offensive coordinator is um, a former Cougars assistant a while, you know, a while ago. His name's Eric Morris. Um, he's been, operating as the head of head coach of incarnate word tim you sh- you probably know what level of football is that oh that it's, it's an fcs school they, uh they, they're they've, his his head coaching record 
24 and 18. They're 10 and three this year. Uh, he, like I said, he has Cougar ties, has a relationship, I think, with Dicker as well. Um, air raid, though, I think that's the big news is that this is he's a he's a you know Texas Tech air raid disciple, and so they're kind of reverting back to you know the lead style offense. It seems like so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and, they, and he, um, he won a playoff game. Uh, they beat Stephen F. Austin in the FCS play, FCS playoffs and losses to Sam Houston, State. and then hired a. Uh, Defensive coordinator Brian Ward from Nevada. Uh, sort of interesting. So, you know, Norvell's gone from there. So I guess that, that stuff's kind of disintegrating. Uh, Nevada's defense is pretty average uh, in the Mountain West. Gave up 24 a game, 400 yards a game, which was like 10th in the Mountain West. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, if this is more of a relationship and a trust thing or what. Uh, it's not like he's necessarily been elite there. That I, that I could see, uh, but um, offensive line coach Clay McGuire is coming to WSU from USC. He was previously at WSU. Um, so kind of interesting. A few a few transfers so far. Um, I think the most notable name, backup QB Cameron Cooper, is uh, hitting the portal. Um, you guys see anything else on the Cougs? I don't think the QB thing is not surprising to me. Jaden Dolores seems to have kind of solidified his spot and he's still yeah. because of the COVID year considered a redshirt freshman. So, I mean, he's yeah. he potentially has three more years to play. Right. And I, I think, you know, Guarantano got some snaps and Cooper was like, I don't know, option three B or something like that. So you, you mentioned uh, Ward being hired as D coordinator. Supposedly he was offered a job at Washington. Uh, him and DeBoer have ties, but as a DC or as an assistant, no, that, that was the vague part. That's I, I would guess not unclear. As, yeah. I would guess not as a DC. Um, moving on to the SC, you know, Lincoln Riley's bringing a big haul of his staff from Oklahoma. I think, you know, half or more than half the guys will, will be, you know, coming from his staff for Oklahoma hired a inside receivers guy, um, Dave Nichols from Mississippi State, so poaching him from Leach, and then a tight ends coach uh, who's been coaching offensive line at, at Tulsa that he has a relationship with, um, and then some some players hitting the portal. I, I, I mean, front seven guys that aren't huge losses, but you know depth depth will be an issue, and that's not exactly an area that they've had a ton of depth, so that kind of hurts. Uh, Plus uh, Alex Dadhouse, who I might mention later, uh, who's a place kicker. Uh, Cal, I think, maybe is one of the teams that has you know, not, not a ton of stuff happening with the coaching staff, obviously, because Wilcox is staying. I don't think there's any changes in the win there. But uh, their starting running back, Christopher Brooks, hit the portal. Uh, a backup cornerback who kind of lost his spot to a freshman, uh, Chagosier Anusiam hit the portal, but then the other thing I read was that uh, supposedly Adrian Martinez from Nebraska is down to Cal and K State in terms of you know where he might want to play his final year of college football. Wow, his eleventh year. I don't know. <laughs> Jeez. Um, you know, other stuff. I'll just kind of quickly go through here. UCLA has had nine guys hit the portal already. They oh really? Yeah, they no like big names, uh, a backup quarterback and, you know, guys that have, you know, five, 10 tackles on the year, that kind of stuff. 
lots of activity, lots of exits. You can always theoretically find replacements via the portal, but. I mean, they, they stand to lose a lot from attrition just in general. I mean, you have to figure DTR is gone. Uh, you know, Greg Dulcich is probably gone. He might have an extra year because of COVID, but he's technically played as four, right? I think he's probably pretty draftable. That's I mean, what I think. His, with his speed and receiving ability, so. I think Britton Brown's out of eligibility. Uh, yep, 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 he's a senior. Uh, and then I think, you know, the other back will probably. Um, Charbonnet. Charbonnet will probably go to the, he's draftable too. And backs, there's just no sense in coming back. So, so chip to chip to Oregon confirmed. Well, I mean, Sean Ryan, their best lineman is, is gone. And, and now they're losing nine more to the portal. Like it's, yeah, I mean, he's going to need to, he's going to need to do work in that transfer portal to have any shot to retain that job. Yeah. Um, just, just jumping down through the conference here. Nothing major. I didn't see anything major for Colorado. I don't think they've done their replacements on the offensive side of the ball for their staff. Um, ASU, their offensive coordinator is supposedly getting interest. Zach Hill is his name. Supposedly Auburn, Brian Harson at Auburn might be trying to poach him. Um, Micah Pittman has apparently visited ASU and checked them out, checked them out, said post posted forks up on Twitter. So we'll see if that duck player heads heads there. You really want to make sure he got to a place that was just thrown around the yard for all of about 300 yards in November. Yeah. He wants so. to be at least 10 of those 86 yards that uh, exactly. Shane wow. Daniels is thrown for Arizona, Stanley Berryhill, who I've mentioned several times being kind of their, one of their key cogs. He declared for the draft. Um, Stanford. I haven't seen anything really. They, they can't really take guys in the portal. <laughs> They probably don't qualify academically. Real quick, let me say this. A little surprising thing. So coming out of the, the Mario leaving Oregon news, they lost a five-star offensive lineman from Texas. I think he's going to go to Texas A&M. But it, it dropped Oregon a couple spots in the recruiting rankings on 247 Sports. And so I, I looked at it the other night, and it said that Oregon had dropped to second place in the Pac-12 in recruiting. I was like, what? I was like, who's in first? And so I clicked it. Stanford. It surprisingly yeah. has a top 12 recruiting class, according to 247 Sports, which I was not aware of. Probably won't do a ton to help for next year, but maybe Shaw hasn't completely given up. So, yeah. I don't know. I just didn't know if There's you guys were aware of that. So. Hope Springs Eternal. Yeah, I think yes. I think Arizona also has a shockingly like decent class at this moment. But it, they've, it got is, a lot of, they've got I mean, some that's, hope. That's also a lot of... Uh, I mean, people haven't started really finalizing these classes because I know with UW under Peterson would start off high and then kind of. Yeah, but Stanford up. has 22 commits. And they're they're 10th nationally right now in 247. Oh, yeah. Right. I'm not saying they won't be a top 20, top 25 class. It's just once yeah. once Lincoln Riley starts bribing houses in the USC way. Guys don't usually drop from Stanford. Once you've gotten – once you've gotten that clearance that you can be admitted into Stanford and you've committed, they, they don't usually lose guys. They typically lose guys that commit and then, and then don't get right, in. And yeah. Right. No, like, I just mean there, there are other schools that only have like 10 commitments might jump. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I see. Uh, blast on the list, Utah. Uh, they're one of their, their backup quarterbacks. It's like a four-star guy. Peter Costelli uh, has entered the portal. So, um, you know, they've, they've lost Brewer and, um, and now this kid, so they'll be pretty thin at, at quarterback for the, for the bowl game and thereafter. So, do you, do you I thought, can I ask you? Oh, oh no, no, you, go. you go. 
I want, can I ask you just a real quick practical question? Is this next like three or four weeks, like so important to finding another spot that you wouldn't like, if you're the Castelli or whatever, you wouldn't, you want to just go to the Rose bowl and like <laughs> partake yeah. of all that. And then just hit the get a PlayStation the or whatever. Like, or, maybe you know, I'm, maybe like I'm the, dating myself. By I saying don't know. Like the, the whole deal. That's I was like, it did not surprise me at all that Micah Pittman wanted to transfer, but I'm like, you don't want to just finish this season out, like try and make the playoff first and then, and then go do it. Like, yeah, it just seems odd academically. Like there's gotta be a quarter or a semester still in progress for most of these guys. So that's what, yep. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead, Tim. No, I was just going to ask, uh, in the next three weeks, uh, will we hear anything regarding Winningham's plans? I mean, there were rumors if he won the conference, he would be stepping down. Wow, that's just too good to be true for us Oregon fans. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt I it. Mean, He's not that old, is he? Is I mean, that, that would be – that would be. I mean, we one thing we didn't talk about with Cristobal is, like, it feels like kind of one step forward. I mean, we'll see who they get. We'll see who Oregon gets. But it kind of feels like, you know, Lincoln Riley splash hire for the conference. I think Kalen DeBoer feels like a really good hire. We'll see. It almost feels like, you know, two steps forward, one step back, losing a guy who, for all your ambivalence, Nate, or your your faux ambivalence about losing him, uh, you know, he was a really good coach for them. And I think I think in the last five years, granted, it's been a, not a great five years for the Pac-12. You could argue he was the best coach in the conference. He won, won two titles, right? went to a, another championship game. So yeah, I, as we talk about this conference and the, the road back to relevance and making the playoff and producing, you know, you need three or four really good teams. You need three or four ranked teams in this conference. Yep. So to, let, let me just, let, I, I think winning, I, we joke about, you know, it would be nice to lose Winningham or, you know, whatever, but I, I, you know, for the conference's sake, we, we need solid coaches in this conference. He's so, 62, yeah. by the way. And he's doing great. Ed. Listen, I, I want to say, I had said, I think on this podcast, or at least to you guys jokingly, if, if Chris Ball leaves, I wanted him to stay. And I did. I, want, I wanted him to stay. I'm just, I'm just, I was merely making a joke that Friday night made it a little bit easier to release that death grip on, sure. on that situation. And, you know, <laughs> you know, people look back and they, you know, there's different ways to look at it. Like, He's done really well, but his first two years, he was handed Justin Herbert, who's now, you know, in the NFL MVP conversation, right? And so, so there are different things at play there, which I think, you know, can be used to, to someone's benefit or demise when you discuss it. But yeah, I do agree. I think the, the better coaches you have for the conference to, to, to build the image back up, to get the depth back up, the better. Okay, so we've got a quick category, NFL Player of the Week, and then we will transition to our you know, season-ending conference awards. So, uh, Nate, who do you have for NFL Player of the Week? I think we can guess. Yeah, we joked. But <laughs> I said when, when Herbert throws for 300-plus and three TDs, big road win, I don't look too, too hard and far. And so got to give it to my boy Justin, throwing two touchdowns to fellow you know, Pac-12 uh, Cal wide receiver. Keenan Allen. So he, Allen's been racking up the yards, but hasn't been getting the touchdown. So good for him to get a couple TDs. There you go. Tim. Yeah. Uh, Any other team? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the biggest game of the weekend was for the battle of first place in the AFC East, the bills versus the Patriots fourth down game winning drive. Josh Allen throws a pass. It is broken up 
by your player of the week, Miles Bryant. Nice job, Miles. You know where Miles went to college? Thanks for playing, Tim. Yep. I bet it- Five tackles, <laughs> big pass breakup. Biggest play of the biggest game, you know? I've got another shout-out to Gardner Minshew. Oh, yep. Philadelphia Eagle, 20 for 25, two touchdowns. Uh, beat beat the Jets, so not a huge accomplishment, but um, second best QBR in the league this week. So good for him. He's kind of, you know, for him to make the most of what's going to be probably a journeyman career. You know, good for him. Can I? There was a pretty cool video of him, like very awkwardly, like chest punching his dad, and it turned into some weird hugging, and it was, it was, it was both touching and very weird all at the same time. Minshew, a weird dude. Uh, Wazoo fans love him. I understand it. But his last name, he's not even a, a number. He's not even a junior. I just, I love the hypocrisy of fans of a school. If there was a Washington player that added a, what that had uh, Minshew's quirks, they would hate him. But I'm just, you know what? I'm not even going to attack Wazoo. Cody, I have something I wanted to add that we forgot. Well, we didn't forget, but one more thing. My favorite tweet of the week, worst tweet of the week. Worst tweet of the week. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Let's, let's uh, real oh, quick. Yeah. NFL, I want to make it just a couple more yes. guys. Michael Pittman had a great week in a blowout win for the Colts. And you said uh, asterisk or hybrid Pac-12 player Jalen Phillips returned back. I don't know if you know. Yep. Two sacks, two tackles for losses in a, in a close win. Got to give him a, a Vita Vea also had two sacks. Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Jared Goff hooked up for Detroit in their first win of the season. So. Yep. All right, Tim. Sorry. Give us, yeah, give no, us, give no, us the tweet of the week. It's, 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 it's not so much what was tweeted. It's the subject matter that was about. And I, I have two tweets reads about the same subject. Brandon Marcello, uh, who is a um, national college football reporter for 24 seven sports strange Sunday, Oregon coach, Mario Cristobal and San Diego recruiting reportedly weighing an offer to coach Miami. Meanwhile, at Alamo World press conference, Bob Stoops, Mario, all the best to you, buddy. Mario, good to see you there, man. Good luck on the recruiting trail. Also, Adam Rittenberg from ESPN uh, about the same thing. Neither coach took questions from the media. News conference ended with Bob Stoops wishing Mario Cristobal luck on the recruiting trail. Cristobal tried to respond, but didn't unmute himself. (laughs) (laughs) Whether Um, on purpose or accident. (laughs) Good way to go out. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're breaking up. <laughs> Listen, look, can oh. we just say real quick for all of the huffing and puffing on Twitter that there is no good way to leave a job in 2021. Too much stuff breaks. Generally, you're not there with your guys. If there's, you know, it's like, oh, I, I don't mind that he left. I just hated the way that he left. There is no good way to leave. There you know is a I mean? bad way to fire a guy, which is to interview <laughs> his, his replacement very publicly. <laughs> Before you let him go, Manny, D- <laughs> Manny Diaz got done dirty. By the <laughs> though, though I will defend Miami in this. Well, not really. Miami's terrible on the other end. Diaz took the Temple job, and then three weeks later, accepted the Miami job. So, some might say it's karma. You know who you're dealing with as a school. <laughs> yes, he doesn't come out totally clean, but uh, <laughs> yes, that's that's. I mean, I can't believe they ever pretended like they could go back to him and be like, okay, actually you are the coach. Like there's no way No, it was over once he started doing that. So well, bad. And then, and then supposedly today at Mario Cristobal's 
press conference, they said they will not be taking any questions about that. Hmm. Right after they gave him a youth small jersey. <laughs> Did you guys see that picture? Yes. Making his pec stance in the yeah. <laughs> Okay, guys. Uh, last 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 segment of the night here. Uh, we're gonna kind of run down through our annual awards. You know, we've got a lot of Pac-12 players that are gonna be listening in, hoping to you know take one of these home tonight. So we better get to it. Uh, offensive player of the year. Nate, who do you have? I think this is a really challenging thing because, are, are, you know, you know, I can't just give a straight up answer. So it's like, are you looking through the lens of like who <laughs> provided the most impact to a, a really good team, you know, over the longevity or who do I think was the best offensive player? So you know, I, I think that the uh, the most impactful person was Tavion Thomas from Utah. And I think that the best player is Drake London from USC. So ultimately, I tried to read into the spirit of the award, the offensive player of the year, the person who provided the most impact the offensive side of a good team. And I gave it to Tavion Thomas from Utah, even though I think the best player is Drake London. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, Thomas had 20 touchdowns on the year, uh, which I think broke his, the Utah school record by five. (laughs) Uh, Drake London led the conference in receiving yards, despite missing the last four games of the season. Tim offensive player of the year. You have contrary thoughts. You know, I mean, it's hard not to give it to either one of those guys, but I don't want to be agreeable. Uh, this one, and you might say I have a little um, Stockholm syndrome with this one, but Jaden Delora. Oh, I thought you were going to say Jaden Daniels for a second. No, 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 no. no I, no, I, <laughs> I was I, like, I was wow, he is really that. riding this one out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that, but then I said, then I said, no. Uh, He's pot committed. He's going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, Delora. I mean most likely going to be first team all conference quarterback um he was he was they came out today oh yeah yeah sorry Duh. i i have the list right here in front of me yeah so first team all conference quarterback and um you know he did not start the game that they lost to he did not play in the game that they lost to utah um but overall uh 2700 yards 23 touchdowns i mean i think london's obviously probably the pick, but, you know, just going a little off the board. I, it, Wazoo changed the way they played, and he didn't seem to miss a beat. You know, they went from a run and shoot to more of a running team when they lost Rolovich, and Delora didn't seem to I actually, I actually lied. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cam Rising was first-team quarterback. Um, really? Okay. Jaden Delora was freshman of the year, which we can talk about. Separately, okay. But, yeah, but yeah. Um, sorry, interrupted you. No, no, no. That's That was all I was going to say. I think, I think he's – I don't care if he's not first team. He's my first team quarterback. I'm going to throw out one other name, not, not just to extend the conversation, but this is actually who I, who I thought was the winner was Dorian Thompson Robinson. Um, He he threw for 21 touchdowns, only six interceptions had 609 rushing yards. I think that's kind of hidden in there. 600 rushing yards and nine rushing touchdowns. Um, I, I don't disagree with Tavion Thomas at all, but I think, and I, you know, but, you know, pick the best player on the best team. That's usually the formula. So I think that's, that's totally valid. Drake London was lights out as well, but uh, 
to me, DTR actually like had the most overall production and had kind of this stealthy, really nice year. Um, defensive player of the year. I mean, is there any other player we need to talk about other than Devin Lloyd? No. The- uh, I remember I told you the asterisk I get, I told you is, are we, are we giving this to the, the person who made the best impact on the best team or the best player? The best player is Kayvon Thibodeau, but the most impactful person on the best team was Devin Lloyd. So, I do, so they're both probably top 12, top 15 picks. Thibodeau will be drafted before Lloyd. Oh, absolutely. Yes, because pass rushing is so valuable, right? It, it, um, but, I mean, I think Devin Lloyd played himself up into that. I think Devin Lloyd is great. Space. And I, I gave the award to him. I just was clarifying in the same way I did the Tavion Thomas, Drake yeah. London thing. It's, I think Tavion Thibodeau about, is the best player. It's too bad about his injuries this year. I think it kind of limited the, 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 the compiling, if you will. He's another yeah. Deion Jordan, baby. <laughs> Who got paid a lot of money to he steroid did. it up. He did. I think Tafua has to get a little bit of, of cred there. I mean, that's part of, you know, Devin Lloyd played on an overall great defense. And so it's, yeah. it's easier to look good and stat compile when you got great defensive linemen and, and people around. Well, Here, here's the thing about him as a linebacker. He's second in the conference in tackles. So he's doing the linebacker thing. Uh, also second in solo tackles. So it's not just like, you know, piling on. He's also second in the conference in sacks, tied for second in the conference in sacks with seven. He's also second in the conference in interceptions. So he's making plays at all three levels. Like that to me was what stood out was just, he's, he's absolutely all over the field and two touchdowns. He's not, he's not, he's not one dimensional. So, but I I agree that Kayvon is going to probably make $70 million in the next 10 years. Uh, Special teams player of the year. I'm going to kick this one off pun intended. Ah. Um, I think I'm breaking the rules here, but I'm going to throw out USC had two kickers this year, kind of share the duties, Parker Lewis and Alex Stathouse. Stathouse. They combined to go 23 for 28 and 33 for 34 on PAT. So if you combine them, their point scoring, um, the only guys that are uh, you know exceeded or met their, their, their point totals on the year are Tavion Thomas and Travis Dye. Like those guys – put up a ton of points for a team that was terrible in the red zone in the university of Southern California. <laughs> so um, I, th- I wrote down some other names. What did you guys have? Tim? I guarantee you didn't. I, I guarantee you didn't have Alex Dadhouse, who is one of the guys that I mentioned going into the tra- transfer portal. <laughs> well, I mean, what about our good friend, Britton Covey? We got to give him an award on his, uh, I mean, he was, <laughs> As a returner, can we give him a lifetime achievement award? Lifetime Instead? achievement award. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, part of me wanted to go Dean Janikowski just because of the last name, but no, I mean, Covey's, you know, uh, it was his, he's a three time first team selection as well. So he was the second name I wrote down. Yeah. 427 punt return yards, two touchdowns. I had Britton Covey also. I think in a year that, you know, uh, that, that, I looked at the field goal kicking as I was pouring through the stats and it was just, it was kind of a bad year in field goal kicking. I don't think anybody made more than 75% of their field goals. Um, and I, that could be wrong. I actually, I think Oregon's 
kicker. Cam Lewis was 12 of 15, but he had some bad misses against Utah also. It was not a great year for field goal kicking. And so the impact that Covey made in some like key games on punt returners, I think he doubled up the, the yards for the next person on punt returners. It was like 480 versus like 240 or 250 or something. And obviously tossed in a couple touchdowns with that. So I think it's Britton Covey. In a year that the field goal kicking was not great, there was not a really obvious great field goal kicker. Although USC combined for good kicking, maybe not great kicking. I think it's Britton Covey. Okay. Uh, Morris Trophy, offensive and or Can defensive. I just say something real quick? I've, I've been tipped off that Britton Covey can come back next year if he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Oh Based on goodness. the COVID or some injury thing. Sorry, I could go ahead. We, we might have another year of Britton Covey. <laughs> the return. Uh, offensive and or defensive uh, lineman. Um, I think you know, the, the one name I wrote down is someone Nate already mentioned, Mike Tafua, led the conference in sacks. And I think what stands out just like looking at his stat sheet over the season is it was, it's not like he got, he had a game where he racked up three and a half sacks and just kind of like coasted to, to that lead. He, he basically had a, almost a sack in every game. He just, he always seemed like every game he made at least one big play that completely derailed someone's drive so he was my he was he was the one name i jotted down for that you guys have any it's tough for offensive linemen to an untrained eye you know? yeah it's i mean I, I, to your to nate's point i mean it's either thibodeau or tafua tafua had the numbers thibodeau though i mean he's just that next level talent I wrote down Thibodeau, but I also I picked some offensive line. I wrote Nick Ford from um, Utah. It's kind of the anchor to their line. It was a great line this year. And yeah. Sean, Sean Ryan, who will get drafted from, from UCLA, had a good year. Not a great year, but I, I, I thought it was – I thought Thibodeau was the most impactful player from a defensive lineman when he was on the field. Okay. Uh, offensive uh, freshman of the year. So – like we mentioned, the, the Pac-12 awards came out this year. Jaden Delore was named freshman of the year, which he is technically a freshman because he was, I guess, their season. He didn't play enough games. He missed a game due to COVID, and so I guess he didn't burn his red shirt, even though he was their starting quarterback last year. I just, like, I'm sorry, somebody that, that got starts last year does not qualify in my mind as a freshman of the year, but I'm rambling. Um, I... <sighs> I didn't actually see a ton of great options here, guys, for on, on the offensive side of the ball. No. Um, you know, honestly, one of the two names I wrote down was Byron Cardwell, who only had like 400 yards rushing for Oregon, but, you know, a 7.3 yard per carry average. And one yard receiving. <laughs> um, the only I'm, other name that presents itself is Jackson Dart, who all right. has a really high ceiling, okay. Okay. but, you know. He threw for a thousand yards as a freshman in, you know, getting half the starts for the that season. That nice eye black. Yeah, he's got, well, it's not really, it's like face, yeah. Face, I don't know. I actually, face, I know face stripe. Tim is having his fun here, but I actually gave it to Jackson Dart. I thought. I, I did too. I mean, there were not, there was not a lot of true freshmen or at least unplayed Dude, freshman Riley talent on offense. You can't base this on what he's going to do under Lincoln Riley. No, but I mean, like, oh, I, think I, about like I, I USC barely like won any games and he led them. They were behind, you know, uh, starting quarterback got knocked out of the game. And then Jackson Dart led them to a road win at Washington State, who ended up 
that ended up costing, you know, Washington state that, yeah. uh, you know, a chance at the North basically. And it was easily USC's best win of the year. So, and then he played against BYU in, in what could have been their second best win of the year. So I'm just going to say, this is as egregious as, as as egregious, can't even say the word as me picking a Husky of the week each week. All right, Tim. <laughs> It's easy to tear something down. Why don't you build someone else up? Who, who do you have for offensive freshman of the year? Oh, well, I mean, I had Cardwell. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, what about on defense? I thought I thought there were a few more standouts to pick from here. Uh, Junior Tafuna from Utah. Defensive. Yep, he was, he was the conference choice. Yeah. Uh, I actually well, gave it to Carson Bruner. I did too. Thought he came on really strong, made some key impact plays. Could have really turned the Oregon game with his opening. I mean, I'm basically a pick six. I know he didn't even, get it in, but he wasn't even honorable mention for the Pac-12. <laughs> I mean, he he only really played that second half of the season or the last seven games or so. So I I understand to a degree. Hey, you're looking hey. at line, looking at linebackers, and he just doesn't have the the the, the tackles to kind of catch your attention, but. Are, are you guys just giving out awards to four and eight teams because they don't get to go to a bowl game this year? I mean, like, is that what we're doing here? No, yeah, I was is... trying to look at, so I was, I was looking at guys like Tafuna and he just, he was kind of one face in the crowd on a great Utah defense. I thought, yeah. I thought Bruner made great plays on an otherwise somewhat pedestrian team. So it's yeah, he and more. he and uh, Sermon are going to be a phenomenal linebacking duo, at least next year, if not, Two, for two more years and, and, and the irony being smalls was a five-star recruit yeah you know so uh, a couple other guys to throw out here uh lou magia hearns the third is a cornerback yeah. at cal um he, he kind of you know slow start as a true freshman but took over as a starter um eventually had 10 passes defended in int uh, as a freshman corner and then uh Maybe just another guy on the Utah defense, but uh, Cole Bishop, safety, um, played in ten games, forty-six tackles, three sacks, five passes defended. So he's a he's a talented kid as well. Anybody else we missed? I don't think so. Okay, coach of the year, uh, Kyle Whittingham. The de facto choice is Kyle. I think the only nit to pick is him flubbing the starting quarterback choice at the beginning of the season. That, that is the one thing I put in my notes that was a major head-scratcher. They could, they could be – because, frankly, they could have been a playoff team if he hadn't, Absolutely. He hadn't blown that. Absolutely. And, and you know, they, they, they switched to rising in the middle of that San Diego State game. It was just a little too late. Um, the thing was the, – the thing that is most egregious to me is that – Cam Rising was named a captain by his teammates. So his teammates saw it and they just, they just, I don't know, were starstruck by all the passing yards, just as Tim and I were talking about Brewer in the preseason. But uh, Tim, you know, is there anyone on this podcast that thought Utah would win the conference? Do you know anybody? There's one guy. There's one. There's also another guy on this who picked Utah to win the conference championship game last week. Yeah. But yeah, I know. I, I can't believe I went against myself. <laughs> um, but no, I did pick Utah and it's impressive what Whittingham did, but you're both right. I mean, he might've, they might've cost themselves a shot at the championship game. I think they also improved as the season went along. Oh. I don't think they were quite, you know, these, this, this forceful in the first half of the season, 
I, but, I'm going to go different though. And I'm not going to say Jake Dickert. I'm going to give it to Jonathan Smith and we can laugh, but <laughs> the last weekend of the season, they still could have won the North. Yeah. They were picked to finish fifth. Yeah. Um, in the preseason poll. They had, um, some, they had some gags. Don't get me wrong. I think, I think the hard thing there is, yeah, they had a couple, you know, the loss to Colorado, just some, some up and down, you know, they were not consistent throughout the year. But we thought Whittingham would be at the spot he was, and nobody thought Smith would be leading a bowl. bowl I think you definitely got to give credit to Smith, to Dicker. I think you have to give some credit to Cristobal just to win at Ohio State. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Didn't finish how they wanted. And then Chip for saving his job, right? <laughs> um, nobody had a roll of it. Okay, all right. <laughs> um go to the goat of the year this is you know lots of candidates here um i think you know time time has gone by i think it's i think we need to mention clay helton one last time on this podcast um i think i texted this to you guys you know two of his of the past four seasons at usc he were below 500 um in the 50 years prior to that usc had three total losing seasons so just the historically bad um, run he had to, to tail out his his time there, um, just the quality of play and just the shambles he's he's left this program in. I mean, I I'm, I hate to you know rag on him anymore. He's he's a really nice guy, but man, uh, this this there, I heard some commentators talking. There's a legitimate argument that this might be USC's worst team since 1957. Um, it's that bad. It's a historically bad team. So not so fast because I wrote here. I'm like Clay Helton. We har- we hardly knew you. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, I think we had plenty of time. He got plenty of chances. But well, and, yeah. and that and that's why I don't think he should be goat. I, I mean, if I, anything, Bone should be the goat for keeping him around. I mean, <laughs> but seriously, I mean, that's hold on. I gave go to the year to it's got to be Jimmy Lake because he hung around long enough to get in trouble, <laughs> to get suspended, and ultimately to get fired in a year that they really thought they might win win the North, you know? And so although, although Clay is a worthy candidate, I think it has to go to Jimmy Lake. And listen, this is, this is L- one of Lake, those. Lake had a way more embarrassing way out. And this is one of those I think you really have to – say that David Shaw is getting off the hook by just remaining so quiet. <laughs> Sorry, Tim, what were you going to say? Oh, oh no, 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 no. I, I don't think Helton is, is the right choice because I mean, you knew this was coming to a head. I mean, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm having flashbacks to the movie, the green mile. If you guys remember that, but yeah. dead man walking, we got a what? dead man walking here. How bad was the recruiting class heading into the year? I mean, they should have fired him for that alone. And, you know, I mean, good plan by Bone. I mean, I'm sure in 10 years you'll all talk about how this was all part of the plan to get Lincoln Riley, which is he was not just trying true. to change the face of college football forever. Yeah, yeah, the greatest <laughs> hire ever. Um, but I, I think Lake is very good. But I, I think I think I'm going to give it to both Lake and Rolovich only because Nate gave us a stat uh, a couple weeks ago about how Jimmy Lake and Nick Rolovich neither one coached in an Apple Cup. That's amazing. Granted, it was canceled last year because of COVID, but they didn't even make it to their second season, either Jeez. one of them. Go, 
co-winners. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 for, I forgot yeah. about Rolovich. Man, there are so many good candidates. <laughs> I know. This is the toughest category. <laughs> this is why the conference sucks. Because we could have this, we, have, we could spend a, a half hour arguing about this. Should we should we should we make this the Larry Scott go to the year award? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Literally, we, we had a light conversation over offensive player of the year and just <laughs> a complete <laughs> Rolodex over go to the year. <laughs> so who's who? Okay, uh, three more categories here, and then I've got a wild card question for you guys to wrap up. What was the best game of the year in 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 the Pac-12 this year? I'll, I'll let Nate go first. Well, I wrote down a few. I, I was assuming that this had to be Pac-12 versus Pac-12, right? That I actually – that was originally the intent. I wrote down two non I ultimately wrote down two of the best games I thought were non-conference games. But uh, go ahead, Nate. Because I, I – you know, if, if you go that way, then I think you'd have to look at the Oregon-Ohio State game and you'd have to look at the Fresno State-UCLA game, which yes. is, I think, yep. a yep. great game. So, but – in conference, I wrote down uh, – I thought the Oregon State-Utah game was, was a pretty good game for a conference game. I wrote down UCLA-Oregon. I, I thought came down to the end. It was, it was game day, if I remember right. Um, you know, chip against his own team. And then just for general kind of like, you know, theatrics, I, I wrote down Oregon State-Colorado. You know, the, I think it ended on a – it was a 60-yard field goal to send it to overtime and then – kind of a kicking game in, in OT and some bad weather. So what'd you guys have? You, you named four of the five games I'd written down. I mean, I, I ultimately picked the Oregon UCLA game because it was in conference. And I felt like um, that was the best heavyweight fight we got, unfortunately. Um, you know, the, the what should have been, you know, good games between Oregon and Utah were absolute, you know, just blowouts. Um, so to me, that was – two of the better teams in the conference, you know, trading blows for four quarters with, you know, a tight finish and all that. Um, lots of great plays. And we talked about it at the time. I just, it just seemed like a great collection of athletes on the field making plays. Anthony Brown was actually pretty sharp and, and DTR was, was sharp as well. Um, my second place is actually that Fresno state UCLA game. That was just an unbelievable fun game. The, the, the last five minutes were incredible. Tim. Yeah. Um, Stanford, Oregon was pretty good. Um, <laughs> that was my fifth one that I, <laughs> I Nate did not mention. No, well, uh, we forgot about that uh, Montana UW game. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> what? No, Montana UW. No, no, it has to be in conference. It has to be in conference. I'm following the rules. No, but uh, no, I mean, the other joke I wanted to make is Utah versus Oregon. It was so good. We got to see it twice and play out the <laughs> But no, I mean, really, it was Oregon, UCLA, and then yeah, if we're going non-conference, that UCLA, um, UCLA Fresno game was great. But all, also though, the two non the the big the big wins over other power conference schools, the Oregon Ohio State game, and UCLA beating LSU. Yeah, I and mean, that was awesome yeah. at the time too. A little, especially you had Coach O kind of talking some trash before the game, and yeah. that was the beginning of his downfall, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, um, Tim, most like most pleasantly surprising team and most disappointing team. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of you got to pick one. Just pick one. Yeah, yeah. I've tipped my hat. Uh, I mean, obviously it's UW. I mean, every, I, I mean, people thought. I mean, they mm. were in there with. Yeah. Them and USC both were disappointing, but 
to your point earlier, Dead Man Walking with with um, Helton. SC was picked to win the South by the preseason media. Oh, I know, but Oregon, UW, and USC were all relatively bunched up in the rankings. I mean, people thought Lake was going to be the guy. I mean, SC was picked to win the South because SC is overhyped every year. When they're good, <laughs> they're great, and when they're bad, they're good, right? Uh, Lake, though – no, just spectacularly was terrible. I mean, that was, I mean, couldn't even make through what, 12 games, 15, 14 games, 15 games. Um, pleasant surprise. I mean, Oregon State, like I said, I mean, being in the conference, being in the hunt for the North uh, the last weekend of the season, I mean, that's, and same, I mean, Wazoo in a sense too, but I mean, nobody thought anything of Oregon State and finally seeing what Smith's been building the last four years. Nate, contrary thoughts, new thoughts? No, I think most disappointing team is, is USC. And that's why I think it has to be drawn a distinction from the GOAT of the year, I think, was Jimmy Lake because he hung around longer, pushed a guy, <laughs> pushed a guy, got suspended, all this speculation, and then got fired before getting to coach again. But the most disappointing team was USC. Picked to win the South. Um, Agreed. I mean, just egregiously bad at home. How many Did they lose? How many games did they lose by 17 plus at home this year? Like four? It, it, I mean, they had, I, I can look that up, but they, I mean, they had four or five shellackings. Uh, e- either, either got destroyed or were like two touchdown favorites and lost like badly. Um, so that Oregon State game was. Yeah, but yeah, and then I think most improved team. I think I think. I mean, they got trucked by they got trucked by Stanford. Stanford. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think most improved team. Tim nailed it. It's it's Oregon State, um, or most you know surprisingly good team, Oregon State. I think you maybe have to give a small uh, hat tip to UCLA. You know, like uh, eight eight and four. They weren't special, but like I don't know. I. I thought there was a point in which their season could have gone downhill and they could have finished six and six and chip got fired and they hung in there. They beat, you know, USC and won the last couple of games and finished eight and four and they're going to a decent bowl game. I picked Oregon state Oregon job. Well, nothing's official yet. Tim. So, but uh, yeah, just, it's Oregon just, state. I just wanted to give them a little. A little yeah. I, I actually picked the Cougs. They were fixed. They were picked to finish last in the, in the North. Um, so I, I picked them. Uh, I agree. It's SC. And to answer your question, Nate, uh, 14 point loss in the Coliseum to Stanford for USC, 18 point loss to Oregon State, 16 point loss in the Coliseum to Utah, and a 29 point loss to UCLA. So Jeez. I would say, uh, I would say there were four uh, destructions in the Coliseum this year, as well as a couple other closer losses. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll wrap this up. We, we will, we'll, we'll connect next in a little more than a week. Uh, we're going to talk uh, after early signing day and talk about recruiting and where, where teams are at. And then we'll also at that time, pick uh, the bowl games, the Pac-12 bowl games start on the December 18th, I believe. Um, so that's, that's what we'll talk about next. But before we do that, it is a, Another year without a Pac-12 team in the playoff. So my question for you guys as we wrap up here is, 
will the Pac-12 put a team in the playoff next year? I'm not going to ask you who, but do you have any optimism? What's what's your level of optimism as you think about next year and, and getting a team in? Not high. <laughs> I mean, I I think if Oregon nails their hire, they have the closest. Well, I mean, sorry. If Utah brings Whittingham back, and I actually don't know about their talent. I know they lose Lloyd and whatever. If they can replace those guys, I think Utah is the best chance. Oregon is probably the next best after that if they nail their hire. But even by those standards, they, they start at Georgia ne- next year. And so, you know, although they surprised us with Ohio State, and beyond those two teams, I mean – Lincoln Riley would just really have to nail the transfer portal or something. So I think yeah. Utah is really the one shot, but I don't see it. Um, Utah uh, starts the se- their season next year at Florida in Gainesville. Really? So they would have that, they would have that big non-conference game, you know, and Florida is obviously in a pretty beatable position at this moment. That's true. Get that early season loss out of the way for Utah. I guess I don't know enough about uh, Utah's roster. Like how how much of these that front that dominant front seven and the line? How many of those guys are back? Yeah, um, I, Tafu is a junior. He could go if he wanted to. Um, Lloyd's obviously gone. You said he's a top fifteen pick, right? So, yeah, yeah. I I think they got. I think they're. I don't think they're like as, as aged out as UCLA, for example, like, I don't think no, they have no. a huge, and, and they, you know, Cam should be back. And they, really they certainly need to, they, they need to find some wide receivers. They need to, that's their, that's their big to do in the, it's, you know, off season is to find some guys on the outside to make plays besides the tight ends. Utah would but, do this okay. as a big favor by being competitive, I think in the Rose bowl and getting to start off with maybe a, a top 12 next year. Cause it's one of those things that they say it doesn't matter, but if you start out of the top 25, it's hard to crawl up to the it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. Sorry. Go ahead, Jim. Uh, yeah. No, I, I was just gonna say, um, obviously it's kind of tough to answer this question right now. I don't think it'll be, I mean, I know you said not to say team. It's not gonna be SC because it's gonna be Riley's gonna need a year, maybe in the second year. If Oregon gets a coach who brings in a quarterback, I think it's a great chance, Oregon, just based on the talent that they have. I, I yeah maybe it's a little bit simple minded to think that the top two teams this year would be the best you know options but man just going down the list of teams I I just don't see another team you know UCLA is going to lose so much ASU uh, we thought was talented and just you know ran off the rails this year it's just USC does, is not going to have the bodies next year um, well, ASU's whole offense was Rashad White I think he's gone right. So they're they're gonna they're gonna have to replace like literally fifty percent of their offense. Um, so it's it's just hard to you know it's kind of a process of elimination. It seems like it really would be Utah or Oregon your your best shots. So okay, thanks guys. This has been good. Nate, feel better. Start you know keep keep your eyes on Twitter. Keep us posted on who's who's headed to Eugene. <laughs> Next week, will either be hooting and hollering, or you guys would be consoling me. You know. <laughs> I will be consoling you when it's Wilcox. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh man, you've written this into eternity. We'll see. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I told you who you dealt was going to hire. No, I'm just kidding. I don't Wait, know. Cody, why don't you quickly give us the, uh, to close out the records for you and Tim for, for the year. Do you have, do you have oh, yeah. those up? Um, so I finished 54 and 30. Well, we, we can talk about all of this. So if you're, if we're doing purely based on, you know, total win loss, you know, Nate came in mid season. So he's, he has fewer games. Um, if you're going purely based on win percentage, Nate had the best in conference. Nate was 18 and six in his conference picks. So, so, you know, 75%, Tim, Tim was 66%. I was 60%. Um, so that's, that's kind of the one, two, three. If, if, if Nate's DQ, then Tim's the, the champ for the year. I will take this victory. No. He's, he, yeah, Nate, Nate kind of has the cave on, you know, where he didn't, didn't play the whole season. Yeah, big big stats, but only half the year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, out of conference, I, I, I edged Nate by three-tenths of a percent. Uh, we were both around 59% out of conference picks. Uh, Tim was 52%. So that's where we landed. Um out of conference games were hard at baseline. Well, I think we tried to pick games that were. I think the thing with conference games is half the games have ten plus point spreads, so it's easier. We tried to pick more interesting games than the out of conference. So, if we actually knew what we were talking about, you know, we would be we have even better record in conference. I think. Hey, listen, we were all three sixty plus in conference, so I think that qualifies us as Pac twelve experts. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we're pretty much you know top top of the line. We'll match wits with Wilner next year. <laughs> he missed the uh, Pac-12 title game as badly as Tim and I did. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep, yes, he did. Well, for Nate, Cody, I'm Tim, and this has been Best Coast Football. <laughs>